Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate abner maris is a world champion boxer olympian sports commentator and most importantly dad to two little girls beloved by abuelas the hardcore fans alike abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mars, we'll hear from Abner and his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, sports, music, culture, and family life, and just being a husband and a girl dad. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Morris whenever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, as always, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan. Uh, obviously, we're going to be going over... The Champions League, the first match of our Champions League uh, title defense from 2012. We're going to roll it all the way back to that. <laughs> Taking on Sevilla, we're going to cover that. And joining us, great friend of the pod, is Amadi. Uh, sir, welcome. I hope you're staying safe in New York with all the excitement you guys have going on there, as always. As always. Doing everything I can to stay safe, you know. Appease the folks nearby who somehow have to be yelling during the podcast every single time. But that's New York for you, baby. Yeah. Never sleeps, never quiet. We just need to invite them on the, the show next time. We need to bring them in. Yeah. To, like, what were they so excited about? Were they like United fans who got excited about their penalty? Honestly, I, I, I wish I knew. But I could just tell them, listen, you've been on whether you know it or not. You've you've been on the pod before because yeah. – just, just no, we no appearance fee. All right. Not, none of that. Don't come, don't come knocking. Uh, <laughs> nope. all right. Well, look, this is going to be a good one. Obviously. Um, you know, anytime we get Amity on, we love getting a new perspective, fresh and exciting. Um, but to kick it off, like we always do is the three word match review. So, uh, Dan, as always, I'll go ahead and let you tee this one up as we are getting some clever, and some well-written responses. It's, it's This is getting better. I'm starting to warm up to this idea. Well, a lack of action in the match, I think, definitely served as a... Uh, it was a great white space for a lot of people to operate in. Robert Hansen, who we've known for a while. Jan Trips News. 
We had uh, Tana with Play It Safe, Chase with Boring As Blank. Fill it in. It could be whatever you want. A couple about Mendy, which I really appreciated. There was uh, Carson Wentz's Long Lost Twin with the Mendy Effect. Though I, I think I prefer Craig's Ready Steady Eddie. Like that one. That was that was nice. That's uh, pretty good. The Silva Lining from Connor was fantastic. <laughs> Out of position. No, that's a that's a that's a pun on Nick Verlaney's playbook. Uh, there, that no? was tough. That was a tough one. <laughs> nope. And then uh, one from Will, which I read in the Brad Pitt accent from *Inglorious Bastards*. Parlez-vous clean sheet? You got it. That's the winner. Parlez-vous clean sheet? I'm in on that one. Yeah, I def- works for me. I definitely stole inspiration from that one. Said clean sheet FC. It's short for football club, in case you uh, didn't know why all the MLS teams have FC in their name. Uh, so Dan, creative. Uh, Di- or not Dan, Nick, uh, yours, speaking of super creative, was... <laughs> Thrilling since 1905, baby. We did it. Yes. Wow. Oh. Woo! The who's, result who's of the century. The Giants at home. Slow cap. Oh, man. Dan, what about you? I went with drawing defensive conclusions. Might be a bit premature for that, but uh, Amity, over to you, sir. I'm going with frustrating clean sheet. All right. Well, I definitely think uh, outside of Nick's thrilling, there's a lot of defensive themes here. So we'll probably get into that, and we're really just going to break it down as the good, the bad, and the ugly. Three sections, three parts, that's it. Nice and simple. Uh, but before we get into that, we do owe some thank yous to the lovely people who have joined Patreon. Nick, Kyle, Castle5280, and Dustin C. Thank you all for joining the group. Uh, I'm sure you're in Discord. If not, send me a message and we'll get you in. Dan, after 47 Apple Podcast reviews last episode, a clean sheet. Yeah, the, the people gave me a break. I think that that's what they, they realized that, you know, the, the vocal box might have been overworked last week. But you know what? I want you to know, I can play every minute. I can play every down. I'm available all the time. I am always available for selection. And so you should go on Apple Podcasts right now as you're listening, drop that five-star review, say something funny about Nick, and I'll read it on air next time. So just do that, and we'll uh, we'll make it happen. I, I want to make it very clear. First of all, I'm all, always down for uh, jokes at my expense. That's always good. But Dan is ready to mispronounce these names anytime you folks want, okay? He's ready to go. So just remember when you're throwing in, make it as complicated as possible. And just Dan's going to line those thing up, swing and a miss every week. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to foul it right off into the back of the cage, man. <laughs> Keep on putting quarters in that machine. Confidently fouled off, yeah, I might add. Uh, Nick, over to you for the last plug before we get into the match review. Vote. 14 days left. Vote. Vote early. Vote via mail, whatever you're going to do. Vote in person on election day. It's just super important. Civic I duty. I thought you were going to say, vote early, vote often. <laughs> It's like, wait, no, 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 just once. Just, just the once. Four, just the one time. Vote four or five hundred times, you know? Eat, eat your heart out with the voting. No, just the once would be would be great. Thank you. All right. Um, I apologize. They didn't mean to downplay on that. Uh, very serious and real topic. Um, but uh, a little bit of levity is going to be appreciated tonight because this thrilling match against Sevilla in the Champions League at Stanford Bridge this past October 20th in the year 2020 Chelsea 0, Sevilla 0, as you might expect. 
Uh, at expected Chelsea, the game against Sevilla was Chelsea's first nil-nil under Frank Lampard. Took 63 matches. Just a measly 63. Uh, obviously no goals, wasn't it, so... Chelsea... Wasn't it Bleacher Report, by the way, that, that said ahead of this match there's zero chance... It might not have been Bleacher Report, so... <laughs> it was I, ESPN. It ESPN was like, said no there's way, no way. No way it's goalless. <laughs> In this match? Yes. Yeah, yeah they, did, they did a match preview, and they're like, there's just no chance this, this goes scoreless, because both teams have had kind of you know shaky starts of the year or whatever, but, like, hilarious. I thought about that all match. Yeah, look, <laughs> it's fun to take pot shots at them sometimes. Uh, Woof. Yeah. Anyways, uh, obviously this is usually where we plug the Chelsea fifth stand app, the official Chelsea app, but we don't have any goals to review, so I don't really know how to incorporate them into this pod other than a shameless plug. So instead, um, they publish five <laughs> seconds of silence. Yeah. Please listen, <laughs> and you got a push notification for it. Let's be honest. Mm. <laughs> um, no score predictions, but Dan rightfully so giving me the points as i yet again predicted a draw um so those are pity Two draws points. in a row I, I don't like this i don't like you being right especially when the results are not optimal this is well, terrible it's it's just being smart it's being statistically in bed with what's going on and i'm just a mastermind i'm a genius you're welcome Dan, run us through the lineup, and let's get into the stats and the talking points. Yeah, our starting lineup, uh, Petr Cech, no, uh, no, no, no. It was uh, Mendy between the sticks. We saw Reese James, Zuma, Silva, and Chilwell as our defense. We had a midfield combination of Conte and Jorginho and an attack that included Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, Christian Pulisic, and Timo Werner. Substitutes, again, the stipulation with the Champions League is you can have up to five substitutes across three different substitutions, so you have a much bigger bench to pull from. You had Kepa, Caballero, Rudiger, Christensen, Tamori, Azpilicueta, Emerson, Kovacic, Hudson-Odoi, Ziyech, Abraham, and Giroud as the substitute bench. And we will talk about, Brandon, I, I'm just going to steal thunder, we will talk about Petr Cech being included in non-contract players for Chelsea in the Premier League. Tomorrow, when we talk with Matt Law. So we're not going to talk about it today, okay, buddy? Keep your powder dry, bud. Just okay. a couple more hours and we're okay. going to dive straight in, okay, buddy? All right. Anyways, whatever. Uh, it's going to be all about Petr Cech tomorrow, and I can't wait. So uh, top line stats, Chelsea at home with 44% possession. Six shots, four on target to Sevilla's five shots, two on target. A couple corner kicks, uh, 14 tackles there, eight. We each had an offsides. We had three cautions. I uh, thought we were going to have four with Jorginho, uh, and they had two cautions. And the expected goals, Dan, from our friend at Kaylee underscore graphics, painted a very thrilling picture, as Nick might say. Yeah, it was uh, Chelsea not great to Sevilla, also not great. It was <laughs> Chelsea of <laughs> 0.4 expected goals to Sevilla's 0.3 expected goals. So, yes, not good. Amity, mean, is that is that what you're expecting going into this? I mean, between the, the the starting lineup, the shitty form that we've kind of been inconsistent with, uh, Sevilla being on a good run of form in La Liga, as far as it's concerned. I mean, zero zero in this lineup were were not really what I was expecting. No, um, the last thing I thought it would be was a, was a goalless draw. So I guess myself and ESPN and FC were were on the same page for once. But. Um, Honestly, what I was I, I wanted to see a game that was going to be exciting. I expected that. I think Sevilla is a team that you know when you if you watch any of their games recently or even in the past couple of years, 
particularly in European competition, they tend to show up. Um, and I figured we would be up for it. So didn't see the zero zero coming. Um, and the lineup, I guess I, I, I assumed we would 75% of those players would be out there, but honestly, I think it was, uh, we just kind of looked a little sluggish. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Like he played basically the same exact lineup except, you know, for a couple of switches here or there, but, um, he's so Lampard's not going to be able to do that very much this year. I, like they just played, they just had a hard game against Southampton. They're obviously a little bit down coming off of that. And of course you swap out Christensen for Silva. Of course you swap out Reese James for Aspi and uh, the goalkeeper, which we'll talk about um, is a huge addition to this group, but the rest of the players looked leggy. Uh, it did not seem to be a positive exuberant, um, attitude on the field from any of them and it's going to there are going to be a lot of questions asked about lineups this year and and frank's willingness to play players that he hasn't played a whole lot leading into some of these games so uh, i think that's going to be a theme you have to watch out for we don't have to rage at not having marcus alonzo like a couple people did on twitter uh suspended so where was he dispel that first uh conspiracy theory uh one on the board dan so uh the good left back right back and a goalkeeper which there's nothing better than having a spine of your defense is the outside backs and your goalkeeper because that is what you need ben chilwell statistically had one shot on target two key passes two accurate crosses three clearances two interceptions two aerial duels one uh, that's a pretty active day for a defender, for a left back. Um, he's seems healthy. Seems like he's able to, to go on a bit of run here and, and get some consistency. Uh, Dan, I guess over to you for Chilwell. Uh, Chili B, Benjamin Chilwell. Thoughts, feelings, emotions? Well, <laughs> Lots of positive emotions. I think him saving himself for Chelsea and the Premier League and the Champions League during the international break, finding his way out of playing for England for a few matches was A++ for Chelsea. That worked out really, really well for us. So thank you, Benjamin, for making that happen. But in general, he's had really solid form. He's offering great distribution moving forward. I think we talked about with Joe this weekend that he is still a little bit, a bit of a swashbuckler playing out of the back sometimes, and that has produced some interesting moments, but his recoveries today were actually really exceptional considering how far up the pitch he was trying to go, particularly when he was working with Mason and required him to go much, much further up the pitch and get back a couple of times where he really saved Zuma's bacon. Amity. I, I just, I've been so impressed and I feel like he's actually turning out to be maybe one of the best values of our summer spending spree. Oh, for sure. I think that, I don't know. I feel, I feel like the bar in that position might be a little low and we were looking any anything that wasn't a kind of lazy track back or the repetitive okay it's been passed to me by the center back i'm going to kick it right back to him without even looking up the field would have been an improvement i'm not naming any names <clears throat> marcus alonso but if we're going to have a guy like chilwell who is clearly up for this challenge like he is motivated he is is giving his all I think that I'm okay with him taking risks because I trust him after a few games to to track back and to make up for it. Also, I feel like his his first thought 
isn't always, okay, I'm going to go up to the field. He does look to combine. He does look centrally a little bit. And there is the idea or the feeling when you're watching him that he has the skill to, if he's not going to pull it off, at least to make the second best pass. And I don't know. I, I, I Honestly, it's been it's been pretty much a breath of fresh air, and similarly to Mendy, um, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But just watching him, I don't feel apprehensive every time he touches the ball. And that in and of itself is an improvement. We got to... We got to keep him healthy and fit, I think, is the point I'd make. Like, he, remember, he came out of the gates pretty fast last year, too. And, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not predicting that he's going to fade or anything like that. But, you know, that's obviously a similar situation. Lester over relied on him as well. And so we're going to need to find matches where we can spell him a little bit. We can get him a little bit of a, a break and, um, so I, I would agree. So far, he's he's looked maybe like the best signing that we've made. Uh, I think he's improved the team a hell of a lot, and his service is tasty, man. He's he's going to end up having a handful of assists this year, and probably should have had more. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited about him. I'm just I'm looking ahead at all these matches, and I'm like, hey, how do we find some sort of rotational balance so that he's not getting burned out too early because we're going to need him all year. Well, in that vein, I guess, sorry to cut in here, but if, for example, he does pick up an injury, what's what do you think our go-to is? Are we just going to roll the dice and do what Lampard says he does and base it on training? Or is there an out-and-out second-best left-back at this club? Yeah, you got three more left-backs. You just throw one in till they mess up, and yep. you throw another one in, and then you bring Ashley Cole on the 26-man <laughs> roster on another no-contract. <laughs> Amity, you got options, all right? Frank's got a lot of depth at left-back. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. No, it's look, it, it, it's a drop-off, right? The fact that we still have Emerson and Alonzo is pretty awkward because, well, that was that going to work? We didn't even barely know who was the best out of them, depending on the month or the day, and now we potentially have to figure out who's going to back them up. And, you know, Aspie could potentially go over there. It's The left back, if, if Ben Chill was not there, is a mess, and not yeah. a good mess for Lampard. Uh, it's absolutely going to kill the morale in the in amongst the team. Um, you know, uh I, I, it's not it's not a great situation for us. Obviously, Emerson and Jorginho are close. Uh, Alonzo and Kepa are close. You know, Jorginho's back in the team, but Kepa's not. So now we're Spanish. You know, contingent are on a bit of an island, not not feeling the love anymore. So we'll have to you know kind of see how it goes. I think you know avoiding injuries is always key, especially with this condensed season. Even cutting a month out adds a lot. Of of extra games, midweek games, and minutes to be played and things. So uh, that's going to be massively important. And um, you know, but uh, you know, I, I said I wasn't really sure of him. I am absolutely sure of him. That just shows that I'm a long ways off my scouting badges, and will continue to work on it until I realize that Ben Chilo was a great quality signing. Uh, I don't think he was our best signing, Nick, but that's okay. We can we can disagree. Uh, Reese James on the other side. Statistically speaking, six tackles, or yeah, he had six yeah. tackles, oh, yeah. was not dribbled past. He had eight duels won. He had a key pass, 100% of his dribbles completed. Um, and he's a defender, not an attacker. 
I thought he had a tough day. That Acuna was a tough opponent for him on that side, Amadi. I thought, uh, you know, Reese and I liked how quickly Reese, when he got in attack, was looking to get the ball in the box. We didn't always connect or find the right service, but the consistency of what he's going to do on the ball and the predictability will help the team get into more dangerous positions. Uh, but again, that Acuna guy was was tough on the other on the opposite flank. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, the fact that Pulisic was playing on that side and the the way that I'm not sure exactly the name of the guy who was backing Acuna up, but every time that they interchanged and every time that Pulisic had to drop and then Reese had to you know switch his position or move in field, Acuna had a ton of happiness like that because he could just kind of Pulisic isn't going to break his back defending in that like last third nor is he going to do so by the corner flag. And I think I recall Acuna getting a, a mag off and then turning him around. But Reese, I mean, I think that's the the kind of the double response, the dual responsibility of a right back who was playing behind a really creative player. If you're going to go forward, which he is tasked with doing, you really kind of have to be on edge or wait for the play to break down and then sprint back. But when you can't necessarily rely on the player in front of you to do your job if you don't, um, it's it's kind of a worrying issue. You know, I wouldn't maybe I wouldn't call it an issue. It's kind of a worrying scenario if it comes to pass. Because when he plays as well as I think he did today, those opportunities don't come as often. But a team like Sevilla is gonna get two to three or four of those a game, no matter what. Um so no, I think Reese had a good game. I think that he is improving in this system. Uh, and I think that Lampard, I mean, more than any of us, is seeing his improvements in training day in, day out. So he trusts him. I trust him. And I think that he's got, you know, he's got so much room to improve, but he's already a really good player. So he's going to go on and he's going to take leaps and bounds. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this season, hopefully for him, will be a very big one. I enjoyed the fact that this was one of the games where I felt like he... Even though there wasn't a assist that he provided or a crazy goal that he offered, I think this was one of the most disciplined games that he played where he really lived on the right flank, didn't move maybe as much into midfield previously, leaving kind of that defensive responsibility a little agape and kind of having to make himself, you know, do extra work to kind of get back and, you know, shore up the side defensively. And so I like that in this game, his positional setting on that right-hand side seemed to have more ownership, both moving forward and moving backward. And Nick, his ability to be moving at full speed, to stop completely, pull the ball up, let someone fly by at like 100 miles an hour, and then move in a different direction, like half a second later, is poetry in motion. It is so damn good to watch. Yeah, obviously those are like the kind of the the Kodak moments, if you will, you know, in, in the in the match. I think he had to be disciplined, more disciplined today, both for both of the reasons that you guys mentioned. But then I'll throw in a third, which is when you're only playing two midfielders and N'Golo Conte, no matter how good he is, can't be everywhere at once. You don't really have a ton of cover uh, if you get too far up there. And I think that's the the point I would bring up about both of these fullbacks. They like to get forward. 
So in my mind, if you're going to have really advanced fullbacks, you need to play three men in midfield because you need cover for both of them. So I mean, like that's the the only scary part. There were a couple times today that he got really upfield, and there was a ton of space behind. And obviously, Pulisic's not a a great defensive winger by any means. Or, or you know, when Mount switched over, he had a little bit of an easier time. But if they're going to be so far upfield doing what they do, and they're and they're both great crossers of the ball, right? Like these are really talented players. You got to have more people back because. Brandon, to me, the like the Sevilla team was as well of a drilled team as we played this year. They had a really set game plan. They executed it very well. Um, not a great explosive offensive team, but they pressed the hell out of us all game. And uh, I think they made life uncomfortable. So we just have to be careful uh, in some of these situations going forward. Yeah, I mean, what do we do? Is it is this the the approach we need going forward? Like, how do you defend so well against the Sevilla team who are far better than Southampton. Is it the approach? Is it the taking Southampton too lightly, you know, but yet you're switched on and taking Sevilla seriously and you give them more respect and sit in. I don't know, but Lampard seemed to be pretty happy about a clean sheet and about Tiago Silva specifically. He named look Edouard Mendy coming in. Uh, as we talked about the the left back, the right back, and the goalkeeper is kind of being the the anchor today. Uh, made some saves, you know, was a presence, caught some crosses, just did him, you know. And it was it was uh, it was good to see. It feels better, Nick. To your point in the in the group text, like I just feel so much better when when Edwards in goal, and um, you know, it's it's kind of more the same. Nothing overly fantastic, but. We're not putting our head in our hands at the end of the match, Amity, which is unfortunately got to become the the norm. Yeah, uh, I think somewhere towards the end of the game, I tweeted, "Yes, Mendy's doing simple things, but he's doing them well, and it's so reassuring to not even have to worry. You know, the ball goes up in the air, and I'm not thinking, oh man, like what's going to happen? I just expect him to catch it. Um, also, the saves that he made, there were a couple reflex saves. You know, one of them that, that he kind of basically threw off the line, like, that ricocheted off Zuma. That, you know, that in and of itself was just such a, like a, I had a wave of relief come over me, and then I realized, okay, this guy, this is what he's about. You know, he's confident, clearly, um, and what he does is his confidence transfers to the rest of the defenders. Um, the general demeanor of Zuma, of Silva, um, of the players in front of him, when he is on the ball, when he's collecting, when he's being passed back to, there's, you know, they also have that same feeling of confidence because they're like, okay, we can trust this guy to do his job. We don't have to worry about it. We're not, we're not, you know, inching in or cheating in a little bit just in case something happens. Um, and the, the, the release of pressure that they're feeling, I'm sure is, is, is probably just the same as, as us. So it was really, really nice to, to watch him just go about his business as he should be. He just looks alert, Dan. He looks alert. He looks like he's involved. <laughs> like, and, and look, that, that it may sound cruel on Keppa, but I don't know. He just seems more engaged in the game. I, I don't know how to describe it. Um, and when the ball's in the air, I have no fear that he's not going to catch it or, uh, you know, use his, use his hands to deflect the ball away either. Like, th- there seems to be a use of hands there that is uh, encouraging. 
Well, there, there's also the fact that he just has a lot of natural movement on his line. So he kind of is always kind of bouncing a little bit more than I think Keppa is from like a rooted standpoint. I see Brandon, and for those who are listening, I see Brandon smiling and shaking his head and just he hates when any of us talk just about goalkeepers and it's not him. <laughs> I appreciated uh, Ben Foster calling out Graham Sunis for breaking down goalkeeping this last week. And that was actually really funny. Um, I'm not saying that's you, but I'm just continue. It's like what. So what you guys have to say is like I get your points. It's just the you know the way you're explaining them to a goalkeeper just sounds funny because that's not how we talk about it. But you're not wrong. Like continue, continue. <laughs> well, I I think what I would also say is just you know to kind of close on Mendy is just the fact that this was the first time we saw all six of the major summer signings on the pitch in the same time, which I didn't realize until I saw a tweet about it after the match. When you think about having Havertz, when you think about having Werner, when you think about having Chilwell mm. and Mendy and Silva, all, you know, everybody on the pitch is Ziyech at the same time. It's just fantastic. And like that, it sets the stage. I think as we kind of transition out of like the good items, that like that is a very good thing that we have now gotten them all to the point of level of fitness where they can at least participate in a match. Yeah, I got it. You bought them. Might as well use them, you know. And obviously, <laughs> it, it improve the team. Uh, as I mentioned, Lampard had some some nice things to say about uh, Thiago Silva. This is from Naz at Goal.com. Quote: He brought quality and experience, and he will affect others around him. In terms of the season, I will manage him. I have a good relationship with him already. And quote, three clean sheets from him already. Uh, you know, and so I think he's going to play as much as he can under under Lampard. So uh, we have the bad, which is the midfield and tired legs. And we're going to talk about that before we get into the ugly. Uh, but we're going to take a real quick break. A huge thank you to these sponsors for financially supporting the show. Uh, hope you enjoy the delicious beats behind these ads, and we will be right back. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. It's a lot. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 2020 has been hard enough. And you know what? Worrying about your routine for taking care of business below the belt shouldn't have to be one of those things you're concerned about. Thankfully, our friends at Manscaped are making your life simple, and they're going to allow you to turn your bathroom with a snap into your very own private. This is the exact copy from the text. Dong Salon. You know, they're, they're concerned about your bangers and mash. They don't want it to look like a mess. You know, they don't want it to be the worst get it bangers and mash and worst anyway they just released their products in the uk canada and australia 
The lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with the advanced skin safe technology that helps reduce grooming accidents. That's a plus. Waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower and for up to 90 minutes, hopefully not all in one sitting. And they also released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on for their lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Their perfect package pun intended, comes with two free gifts and other liquid formulations to help complete your ball trimming routine. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraffin-free, if you know what all those are, to keep your, yes, this is in the text too, disco stick in good hands. Look, you're probably thinking about it, you know, you want to keep yourself smelling fresh, you got the crop preserver for keeping the odor to a minimum downstairs, they've got a crop reviver toner that is spray on for the jewels, and then they've also got a foot duster deodorant, so good you can even reduce the odor of the dirtiest feet. All these things sound great, and you know what, they got a code for our listeners, London is blue, it's a 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. And so, you know, if you want to protect the package and not uh, not have it be the worst, uh, go hit it up now. Manscaped.com. Use the code LONDONISBLUE for 20% off plus free shipping. All right. Dan called the bad, and he called the midfield and tired legs. The Conte Jorginho pivot. Where do we start with this pivot that just consistently does not work, Nick? I love an Angolo Conte. I'm not so enamored with a Jorginho. I don't like this pivot. I don't like the 4-2-3-1, but I sure as hell don't like this Conte Jorginho pivot. Yeah, this this pivot, uh, this pivot's tough, especially when because you're they don't face- pivot. <laughs> <laughs> Good point about the not pivoting, Brandon. <laughs> really astute. Um, I couldn't wait. I, I couldn't wait. No, the the midfield pairing just doesn't it doesn't come off. They they don't seem like they connect on the same level that Jorginho and Kovacic do, just in like little passes even. Um plus the formations to me the formation's broken. I like there is not a natural movement from defense to midfield up to attack. And I mean, talk about all of the metrics that you want, talk about Kai Havertz all you want, talk about Mason Mount all you want, being out of position, whatever. The whole system has to work for it to be successful. It's not just one player. It's not just Jorginho. I think Jorginho's in a really tough spot in this pivot. This is not the position that he is meant to play. He's supposed to be at the base of a three and have outlets to either side and back where he can go with the ball and keep possession. And you're forcing him to... To, to receive the ball, guess where N'Golo Conte is because N'Golo wants to go find and destroy most of the time and then try and find an outlet. And, it, you know, if you're thinking about the field, Chilwell may be 40 yards of field because that's where he loves to be, right? And the crossfield ball is really not Jorginho's bag either. And without a, you know... A, bunch of other things happening here too like there just wasn't a ton to go on and I think the last point would be Omni when you're facing a team that is clearly well drilled and very athletic I think Sevilla deserves some credit for being a really athletic hard-nosed team uh he's gonna he's gonna struggle in these games I mean obviously his yellow card was comical uh he got burned real bad (laughs) and just and just had to sell out and take one for the team but like 
Then four minutes later, I thought he might have had his second one with the high boot, too. And I was like, good Lord, man, it's 19 minutes in. Like, what are yeah. we doing? And that's the thing. I mean, with Jorginho, he does certain things pretty well, among those being making short passes, finding space in front of the back four, tracking back and even becoming a center back when necessary, um, and making that blind pass. However, currently in this in this formation, Jorginho is being asked to do two things that I think he cannot do. One is cover a ton of space. Um, like you said, Conte is not... He's not Kova. He's not going to be five yards away every time that Jorginho receives the ball. Also, Chilwell is going to break his neck to get up that line, which Frank wants him to do. But Jorginho needs to make an outlet pass when he receives the ball from one of the other center backs on the far side of the field or when he's trend- when he's cycling the ball from, say, our winger or our um, the opposite side, right, right or left back. He cannot cover that space on his own, which we've seen, which is why he gets cut out of position, which is why he makes yellow card fouls. And the other thing he can't do very well is track back when the game is in transition. So if he gets caught too high up the field, if he gets caught on the wrong side of the field, the likelihood of us being able to, or him rather, being able to get back and cover the space he should be in is very low. This results in either someone else having to cover for him or in him kind of making that lunging tackle or not making it at all. So... As you said, this I mean this this formation is it's disjointed. It's there's there's not enough of an understanding I think between the midfield and the and the attack between the two and the three of the four two three one um, of where their positions need to be in transition, where the positions need to be when we have the ball and when we lose it. So, what I think the best thing Jorginho could do is when we have the ball is either make space in the middle. So that that so Silva can make the the pass directly into uh, Kai or over the top because he can make a long pass. Um, so Jorginho should either seed that space and then allow the 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 pressing opposition to either fall back or to kind of push them on to the next guy. However, I feel like he wants the ball. He, he like he definitely wants the ball in that situation, and I can't blame him. I mean, he's the center midfielder, but. That's not helping us get out of transition. It just brings another player, uh, and then we have to go all the way back to Mendy and then cycle it back around again. Um, the, the the one thing I think he should and could be doing is kind of directing traffic. You know, he can have his head on a swivel. He can see, okay, tell Silva, bypass me, make that pass directly out wide, or cycle it back out, and then someone, maybe like a Kova, or maybe Mount, because Mount likes to drop back and receive the ball. Pools, he likes to, drop, likes to drop back and receive the ball. Those guys can, they can do that work for him. It, 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 it just doesn't make sense to me that he should be the guy moving the ball up the field or trying to pick out key passes. He's not a Fabregas. He's never going to be. And I'm not trying to make him, you know, a comparison between the two of them. That's just not the player he is. So working within the ability that he has, he could be effective if he has the proper cover around him or if he can kind of direct the traffic for the rest of the team because currently what's happening is he's being asked to do too many things that he simply can't there's a situation in which Jorginho is the perfect player to be on the pitch and that's when a team is not going to try to slice it through the midfield a team that's not going to press us for 70 80 90 minutes and the teams that will sit back and let us have time and let Jorginho have a ton of space he will help pick them apart 
Like it will be vultures on roadkill and it will just it will be feasting for days. But in the majority of the scenarios that Chelsea have found themselves in this season, Brandon, it has been the opposite of that. We've been toe to toe with teams. This is this is a game where we actually did not have the majority of possession. We were getting closed down quite frequently and it made it really difficult. And the you know, he's creating the, the problems himself when he passes to a player on the opposite team and has to foul to prevent a pretty dangerous, uh, you know, one V one or you know, two V one situation, uh, that was the, you know, could have resulted in a pretty negative start to the match. So and it's in general, it's not Jorginho's fault, but it, it's a, you know, what we'll get to when we talk about the ugly, which is the position and how we're managing it. Yeah. I mean, look, it, uh, the fact that, you know, James Ward-Prowse and um, Oriol Romeo and a two-man midfield can can hurry our our double pivot and our attacking player against Southampton. And then Sevilla, he's still null and void. It's, I, I, I need something different. I, I, I don't want the same thing over and over. It's exactly why Frank wanted Declan Rice. This, this is exactly why, because... You can play a double pivot with Declan. He's going to sit back and N'Golo Conte or Kovacic or whoever, Jorginho even, can advance the ball forward. We don't have one of those players right now who wants to sit back and do the hard hard work in front of our back four, and it puts the whole thing out of balance. And there were times today, if you think about it realistically, where it was Silva, Zuma, uh, Jorginho and N'Golo Conte were the only four back and all six were up. Every other player was up. <laughs> um, now, it didn't happen a ton, but, like, that's scary, man. Like, you get countered in those four. Zuma's the only one with, like, breakneck speed. And N'Golo Conte can obviously tackle, but he's he can't be everywhere. So, it's just uh, it's a dangerous uh, situation for sure. Uh, actually, he can. So just uh, to clarify, Angola Conte can be everywhere. Uh, I'm kidding, all right, before you, you can see the red in your face. I'm fine. I've never hated you more than right now. I'm, I'm saying I, something. I mean, you're the I one really, who doesn't like Angola Conte, not me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I really worry. Sorry, Brandon, to cut you off. I just go, worry go, go. that this, this formation, if we're going to play it and play it well, I feel like Frank has to either decide to wait until we have the personnel to play this position, to, to play this formation effectively, or go back to the 4 3 3 that has the one midfielder in the base and then two above, and, you know, trust that we can work the ball through there with three players who are competent on the ball. I, I just, 4 2 3 1 right now, I don't think we're ready for it. And I, and I know that we're, once we get the ball past midfield, we look dangerous. We look like we can score whenever we want. But that isn't necessarily happening if a team like Sevilla properly presses us or properly presses the back four and or Jorginho. I mean, I just I think that there needs to be some pragmatism here until we have the personnel or until we've worked it well enough that it works. But the growing pains can't happen in a Champions League game. Uh, it's just that's not the time for us to be on to, to be learning on the ball. That's, that's my two cents. Starting to become the word of discussion is pragmatism with this Frank Lampard side, uh, which takes us to the ugly positions and management. Mount on the wings over Callum or putting him on the left and forcing Pulisic on the right. There's late swaps. There's substitutions that are coming maybe later than 
what we want. Uh, a lot of things that maybe we would have not done ourselves. We are not in training. We are maybe Frank, you know, I was thinking about this because I'm obviously with Omni, I'm like four, three, three. This seems like a very simple thing. Um, maybe Frank sees something that is close to clicking, but hasn't in training or something, but it doesn't seem close when we watch it on TV, unfortunately. And so that's why we end up with the discussion and he may prove us all to be dumb and wrong. But as of right now, the discussion is fair and accurate of why are you playing certain players in the positions they are? And are we managing the squad throughout a 90 minutes as best as it can be. And obviously we have the benefit of hindsight being 2020. We can go back and analyze. He but can't, he has to do it in real time. It's not just hindsight though. I mean, some of these things we've talked about match in match out though, right? Like to, to me, this team doesn't have balance the way it's currently formatted. And, and that's like number one, like that's a one, a situation. Then the, the B thing is that you, you have players playing out of position, and nobody looks good when you're playing yeah. that far out of position. I mean, Timo Werner hasn't looked good playing off the left. Mason Mount hasn't looked good playing off the left unless he has a wingback cover in a, in a three-back where he can just be a pressing maniac and go crazy all the time. Uh, Christian Pulisic doesn't look nearly as comfortable on the right, and then what you saw coming out today was he, I mean, he tried to drift into the center a whole bunch, which then if you're Kai Havertz, you're like, dude, you're kind of in my space. What am, what am I supposed to be doing here? And it, it just, it does not, it does not look like it has the, it looks like a, a solution looking for a problem to me. Like, and, and I think well, that is, that's the, you look at how we played last year, right? And, and you can, you can not be a big fan of Jorginho, but if he's sitting at the base of midfield and you have N'Golo Conte, and Kai Havertz, or you have Mason Mount and Kai Havertz ahead of him, or you have N'Golo at the base and those two in front of him, you have somewhat of a structure to not only pass the ball, but then to get back in defense. Part of the reason Mason's on the left is because we needed cover if Chilwell was going to go way bombing forward. Now, I don't think he did as much today as he did against like Southampton, for example, but Jorginho is not going to be able to make up that gap. So Mason has to help him out. Right. And it's just, yeah. it's just a, it's a bag of problems, man. I don't know. It, it's not even just, I, I understand that we're also, we're discussing this in a, in a thinking in terms of, of his, I guess the, the, the defensive side of this and how the midfield can, can stay compact enough, but fluid enough that we can transition. There's also an issue on the offensive side. So if Mason's playing, say he plays in the, in that, that left wing or I guess you can call it left midfield position that he was in uh, earlier today, that his pressing ability was very limited. And what it results in is having Werner running 70 yards back and forth, trying to get covered two center backs who were just toying with him. And at the end of the game, you could see he was visibly frustrated. He was like, guys, like I'm up here breaking my neck and I'm not getting any support, but that's most likely because those players are either being told to stay at home or they don't really want to be tracking all the way up to, to the final third and then getting bypassed with one cross field pass like that. It's creating issues across the field and it's not any one player. It's the system itself. And it's making those players who were honestly far more successful towards the end of last season look like, you know, they're still learning how to, how to play this system. And it's, 
it's just frustrating because I know that they're they're better than that, and we're we're better as a team when we play a different formation. So again, I just feel like if there's a way for us to kind of bang out these these sort of um, these learning procedures in training, and then go to the game with a formation that we know works with the personnel that we know can fit that formation, then yeah, that'll that'll bring us some success in the short term until we're ready to play that that system. But it's just. You know, I, I really find it frustrating to, to watch a player like Werner, who's only just gotten here. He's, you know, he's clearly trying to do his best for the team. He was probably pumped up after getting that brace um, uh, the weekend. And then he comes into a game like this, an exciting Champions League night at home. And we're just kind of flat and he's not getting the support that he needs. And and him and, and Havertz combining was a major uh, was a major part of, you know, the success we had before the equalizer on on uh, on Sat on Saturday, but those two I didn't see them combining at all today. I didn't see Mount pressing the way that he normally does. Pulisic was playing out of position, so he was like him even receiving the ball most of the time. He had his back to the to the to the uh, Sevilla goal. Like I, there are just too many things that don't click currently, and we look like we're you know we look like we're playing just to kind of keep an even keel and not to attack the teams that were, that, I mean, like Sevilla today. I don't know if this is going to be the same in the future or not, but I really hope that he sorts it out before we play United. That's also the the trust Frank needs to have in the support, the whole supporting cast. You know, I think that the reliance on Timo and Havertz and you know, the over-reliance, I think, that we've kind of all shared or have a concern around with Mount being played out of a natural position and being forced out onto the left wing, and which is not where we've seen him produce the moments of brilliance that he's kind of put together just feels like it's a bit of a disservice to keeping the morale high, keeping the team focused, keeping the team motivated, you know, to bring Tammy and Callum on in the dying moments of a a nil, nil draw and asking them to change the, the end equation of the game is not, not playing to win. It was really just a, a way to kind of turn out a few minutes. It was the Diabolgi treatment, right? It was that, <laughs> which is unfortunate, but that's what they got today. And that to me just screams of when you know you had an opportunity to impact this game with substitutes to go out and and win. And you know, I think that's it's hard to under like I think comprehend Brandon this moment of where we we want to have patience because we're we're watching the team learn, we're watching the team progress, we're watching the team grow. But we also know the standard of what Chelsea Football Club is. And Chelsea Football Club, the standard is winning and going out to compete for everything, to go out and make the pitch your own. And this side felt very comfortable to me at the end of the day with a with a, a nil-nil draw. And like I get there are things that we can pull apart in that. But I would also, on the flip side, you could say that this isn't good enough for Chelsea. And I... I would have an okay time hearing that argument out and hearing it play out because I, I, I think there's there's merit to it. Well, all I can say is that Chelsea, judging by the body language and the disinterest in pushing the tempo at the end, very much were comfortable and content with the draw. Um, I, I, I'm sure that was the lesson from Frank was you didn't listen to me against Southampton. You kept pushing. You kept playing sloppy passes. We got punished at the end for a 3-3 locking it down and maybe this is the beginning of a new approach with frank where he's like look we're gonna we're gonna shut up shop like we gotta prove that we can defend at least a little bit 
before we start bombing ahead for three goals because that's not been working. And so maybe this is a sign of, of change and we'll have to wait and see. Obviously time will tell. Um, it's a, it's an interesting point though. Last point on this. When Lampard was saying those, those comments about how the players just wanted to play. Right. It, it just got me thinking again about, yeah, man, we've had a bajillion different managers. Some of these players have had a bajillion different styles to play in. And it, this team still has a look of a, Antonio Conte pass around the circle and a Maurizio Sarri play stupid passes out of the back, you know, type of, of model. And that's clearly not what Frank wants to do, but he hasn't drilled it out of him yet. And so it's a lot on him in training to do that, to be fair. But I could see why he might be a little bit frustrated because at the end of the game, when we were playing baseline passes, you're like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, figure it out but i think it's just because they've had so many styles that they've played under well we'll have to figure it out we need a little bit of cohesiveness and unity uh from the team so uh, a lot of different things to go into it obviously we touched on quite a few but you know there were some bright spots so dan uh let's go ahead and wrap this one up with a dan of the match and then we'll look at the group standings yeah so uh you know a lot a lot of defenders in here a lot of goalkeepers maybe a defensive midfielder so chillwell reese james and Conte and mindy made my my list today i think you could argue that silva could be in there as well i would i would hear that argument uh if you don't score you can't put an attacker on there for the people that added me to add an attacker it's not happening it's not not an effort game this is a results game uh chillwell wins with 46 percent of the vote Mendy, a close second, though, at 28, 21% for Reese and Ngolo Conte with uh, the old 5% there. Yeah, but you have a very leading tweet. I think the answer is obvious, or at least the two top names. Ben Chilwell didn't even make it into the official Chelsea one, so I'm just, I'm super confused. Mendy's winning that one by a landslide. If there's one poll that's less scientific than yours, it's definitely the official Chelsea (laughs) one. I'll give you that. (laughs) He didn't mean it. We promise. Just shade. Pure shade. Oh, come on. They have to troll. Some of the things they put in there are just hilarious. And like, good for (laughs) them. They They shouldn't have to take everything serious. Like, good for you, admin. Uh, all right. The the group as it stands, Chelsea, uh, on top, <laughs> alphabetically, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, us and CB are the only ones who've played. Uh, Ren and Cross no, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. They played today too. Did they too? Who? What was their yeah. score? They I drew. Didn't pay attention. They drew. Yeah. One, Did they draw? They, hey, they so had we're... a goal. They so should... we should be third, right? Yeah. Uh, this, this is this is based upon. Uh, Ready Probabilities. to make the round of 16. All right. uh, it's probability. Yeah, either way, for some reason, they still think we're going through with a with a huge shout. Sevilla second, run third, Krasnodar fourth, which probably is how everyone probably had at least Chelsea and Sevilla going through. Um, but it's an 81% for us, 80% for them. So it's neck and neck. You know, it's a, it's a fine line. We, we, we did this last year, remember. The, the math of getting out of the, the group, right, is... You gotta beat. You gotta win the two very, very winnable games, home and away, and then likely split the remaining two with the other good team in the group. So, you know, we gotta go. It, obviously, you want to win the home games, and that would have been a huge opportunity today. But you gotta go now. Beat Ren and Krasnodar, and you know, then hopefully get a draw away at Sevilla, and you're you're through. So yeah, okay, math in your face. Good job. 
Good well, job, Nicholas. All right, before we go, just quick programming. Uh, we will be back with you tomorrow or the next day or whenever you listen to this podcast with Matt Law of the Daily Telegraph. Uh, then we'll be back for the United match preview. Uh, on that will be at the weekend. So we've got two more episodes this week. Uh, but Nick, over to you to wrap this one up with a sad note, uh, but an opportunity for us to share our thoughts and, and feelings with uh, someone from the soccer podcast community. Right. Uh, so Daryl from the Total Soccer Show um, has a terminal cancer diagnosis and is, is home on hospice. And um, I think, yeah, I just want to send our, our thoughts and prayers, Amity. I know that you, you've you uh, paired up with them before and, and kind of been friendly on Twitter, at least from what I've seen. So I, I didn't know if you had any final thoughts, but just wanted to wish wish their whole show well because it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, it's awful news. And obviously we all you know send our love and support to his friends and family. And, and it, it really – honestly, I know people say this a lot, but it, it could not happen to, to a nicer and, and more genuinely just – good person um daryl was a he's an inspiring figure in the u.s soccer community um he's always had words of encouragement for for me and many other people so uh it, it really is a it's it's sad but um yeah just a lot of support for him and, and for total soccer show and their in their entire community uh it's 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 a tough one so just just wish them well i know that he was connected with the american outlaws as well and they did a lot of collaborations on that front so um yeah weird it's a weird one when the when the podcasting community kind of gets a hard one like this um we were lucky that we haven't felt many of these uh but if you have a second tweet at them send them a, a message i think that would be a, a the right thing to do all right uh we'll be back more content but on that note we're gonna wrap up chelsea fans um life's short life's precious and uh we do this for fun and keep your perspective on it so that's gonna wrap us up but until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high